You're listening to the Handmade CEO Podcast. My name is Maria Lauren, small business owner and creative entrepreneur. Each week we'll discover the steps and motivation that inspire our guests to create income from their skills. Get ready to start learning how to creatively pursue your dream job by crafting it yourself. I first came across Pottery by Osa through an article that featured her business on Etsy. I quickly went to her shop to see her beautiful work. There is something both new and familiar in her pieces. The carved lines in her pottery remind me of the artifacts that you would find in a museum. Hi, Osa. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us about your pottery business and how you got started? Well, I started taking community pottery lessons when I lived in New Orleans. Um, It was 2013. I started a clay studio named Birdies um, in the Bywater, and I just, you know, I had no clay experience before then. That was my first, very first lesson, and I just really took to it. You know, found it also like exciting, but also quite frustrating because there was like, you know, one four-week class, and then I had to wait another month or something for there to be another class open. And I just wanted to have my hands in clay as much as possible. So I ended up transferring to another community studio um, in New Orleans. I got to trade my work for lessons and they had uh, consecutive back-to-back lessons there. So I didn't have any breaks between classes. So that like kind of satisfied that craving that I had. And I also got to learn how to mix glazes and load and unload kilns and things like that in exchange for my class time. So that's basically how I got started. Then from there, I kind of cobbled together a tiny little studio setup. Um, I had a small uh, SCAM 818 at the time and pottery wheel in my kitchen. Um, That was maybe about two years after I, I had my first lesson. And that's kind of how my business got started was, you know, from my kitchen in New Orleans. So when you started, did you feel like there was interest already in your pieces or did you just go with it because it was a passion? No, at that time, I didn't know what anyone's reaction really was to my work. It was more just really feeling obsessed with clay and like wanting to do it all the time. So that basically came before sales or thinking about what any um, type of audience had to say about my work. And how did you pick your business name? I know a lot of times entrepreneurs struggle with using their own name as their business name, but I absolutely love it because your name's unique. So I think it really works well. Well, when I first started taking pottery lessons, I already had a personal Instagram account and I would post pictures of my pottery. And I'm talking about from like you know, before I could even throw well, like my very first weird little lumps of clay are like way back in my Instagram feed. And I would just hashtag them pottery by Osa just to keep track of them all because they were kind of all like interspersed within my feed. Mm. And then when I started my Etsy shop, I just carried that name over. So I didn't really put too much thought into it. It was just kind of like how I was filing my work away online before I had a business. Okay. Yeah, that's perfect. That makes sense, especially if you already started to develop a following or if people were used to seeing your work. I would imagine that would be a perfect transition. And can you tell me how you decided to start this as a business? Did somebody maybe find interest in your piece and then you thought, oh, I can make this into a business? Um, I think with pottery, it's just a medium that lends itself to sales. So 
it really basically just started with me being very, very obsessed with clay and like wanting to make things all the time. And then you naturally are just giving a lot of work away. As I got better at it, you know, like I would get asked from other, you know, uh, people in my studio, like, why are you going to sell it? Why don't you sell? I mean, it just seemed kind of like the obvious next step. Probably like anybody who produces a lot of pottery gets asked, why don't you sell? Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of just happened organically in that way. And then, you know, in 2013, like Etsy was already very, like a very well-known path for people who want to sell their handmade work online. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just something that like I knew in the back of my mind already existed. I don't know. It all kind of happened pretty organically. Okay. But I love that you took that first step to actually list your products because I know a lot of times people say, well, I don't have an official degree in pottery or in baking or in, you know, whatever the case. And that prevents them. I I feel like it might be just an excuse, but I love that you were courageous enough to say, you know what, I'm listing this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I guess it didn't seem like that to me at the time because there's already a precedent set for that. I'm not the first person without a yes. you know MFA in ceramics to sell her work online. Um, there's like already thousands of people doing that same thing. I guess I was already seeing, you know, as soon as I started making pottery, I was like following people on the internet from like all different backgrounds in, in terms of ceramics. So yeah, I don't know. I didn't really look at it like that. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I kind of looked at it like the path has already been paved and, you know, other people are already doing this. And um, I like for a, a year, I worked for a, a, another potter in New Orleans called uh, named Rachel DePauw. Mm-hmm. Um, and she didn't have a degree in ceramics, but she had taken some ceramics classes in college. I think her degree was actually in like political science or something like that. So I kind of had the idea that it wasn't necessarily something you needed specific formal education or expertise around to offer to the general public. The other thing that I hear often is um, something you kind of touched on where people say, well, everybody's doing this already, or there's a lot of people already doing this. Everybody has their own style and their own idea of what they want their piece to look like. So I feel like there's plenty of space in the world for everybody's unique take on something. Right. And I mean... Like I said, I was definitely coming at this from, I just want to make things. And there wasn't a lot of analyzing what I was doing or also maybe, you know, my background is also punk. So within that world, there isn't a lot of worrying about being an expert or being like technically proficient. It's more just about like the passion that you have to make something like the drive that you have to just make things and share them with people without worrying about that stuff. So for me, it was just a lot more about wanting to do things with my hands and constantly second guessing. Like the pottery was just coming out and I needed to do something with it. A a lot of people respond to clay like this and maybe other media too, but I, I, you know, I talk to more people in the clay world, like you just kind of get bitten by a bug and it's like, you just really want to be doing it all the time. And that's how I started off. So I was just wondering, are you able to warm up your pieces over the stove? Well, it's a complicated question. Uh, (laughs) So technically, um, if you want to use a ceramic piece to cook food in, you should be using um, flameware. It's a clay that has a bunch of 
like grog and sand in it to protect it from thermal expansion, thermal shock. I I fire my pieces to over 2000 degrees. So putting it in a conventional oven is probably not going to do anything to it, at least not immediately. If you want to use it for cooking, you probably will experience cracking at some point along the way because Mm -hmm. of thermal shock. So I tell people to, you know, if you want to put my pieces in the oven at a warming temperature, that's perfect, but I wouldn't use my pots to cook with. Okay. The clay, the clay body that I use is not formulated for that. Okay. I, yeah, I didn't realize that there was different formulas, so that makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. There's like so many different types of clay and different clay bodies. Going back to when you were younger, did you ever think that you would one day have your own business? No, I. but I also didn't not think that I wouldn't have my own business. I guess I just was open. I have never been a very career-driven person. Um, okay. I, you know, like when in high school, I was like college bound, you know, I took all the like AP and GT classes and the SATs and I got into school for a college for engineering at the time. I didn't, it was not a personal interest. It was just, you're decent at math and science. And that was, I was 17 and I didn't know what I was interested in. And I, that wasn't my interest. It was just, I didn't know what else to pick. And, you know, like I just have never been able to kind of pick out of a college course catalog, my passion. I could never find it in that, that little booklet. So I spent a lot of time actually playing music and like being part of like the punk scene in different cities. Cause that's, actually what I felt passionate about. And it wasn't a career track. It was like, I don't know, it kind of gave me my identity and feelings of like empowerment so that I, it probably helped lead me to the point that I'm at now. Cause like the whole philosophy behind it is DIY, do it yourself. And you're like constantly making things happen on your own with like a very little budget. And, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. So that's pretty interesting because I think a lot of times people, um, you know, feel cornered into making that decision of what they're going to do for the rest of their life. And it's great that you kind of had music to, even if you were doing something that was more math and science based, I think music was probably the thing that kept your personality shining. So I think it's great to maybe continue classes because I don't know until you try that first pottery class, you don't really know that's going to be your thing. Yeah, and sometimes I wonder if I had taken a glass blowing class instead, would that have been my thing? Like, is it ceramics, the medium that I'm in love with, or was it just me needing a, a new creative outlet? Yeah, but, um, yeah, no, that's that's interesting to think about. Um, <laughs> tell me, um, what would your typical day look like when you're creating? Well, I mean, the beauty of my job is I don't really have typical days. I basically just do what needs to get done that day. Like today, I need to take pictures of work and get ready for like my online sale uh, tomorrow. Um, And I'm doing this interview with you, which is not something that happens every day. Do you know what I mean? So every day is uh, pretty different. Um, I guess I'm on a cycle of making and firing and then focusing on sales and moving the work out of my studio and then like kind of starting over. Really, every day is more about the tasks at hand that need to be uh, taken care of rather than like a strict schedule or routine, if that makes any okay. sense. 
that's the beauty of being your own boss <laughs> that you can kind right. of do what needs to be done and then, you know, pursue other things if you would like to. I saw on Etsy uh, that you have a bridal listing. I love that you have a bridal listing. I think that is just genius. Uh, can you tell me how that idea came about? Well, um, that that particular customer reached out to me and wanted to uh, include my pottery on her uh, registry. So that, you know, I mean, it basically came about by request, but I would say a good portion of my sales probably are gifts, um, whether it's wedding, housewarming, birthday, you know, kind of thing. So I get a lot of, a lot of orders that, you know, come along with like gift notes and things like that. So I think like the nature of my business is that, you know, people want something that is handmade and therefore more meaningful and could possibly turn into some type of like heirloom or something down the line. So I don't know. I think a handmade pottery just kind of like lends itself to that type of thing. And it's beautiful. And I love the the picture that I saw. I'm like, oh my goodness, I would love my table to look like this. <laughs> All the pieces are just gorgeous. Thank you. Okay. So the other thing is I hear both sides of the coin when it comes to being on a platform like Etsy. Can mm-hmm. you give me your opinion on running your shop through Etsy? Because I noticed that your link um, on your website goes directly to Etsy. Right. Okay. Well, Etsy is where I started. Like I said, um, before I was even ever making anything, you know, it's kind of like this brand name that was like in the back of my mind for selling handmade goods online. Like they obviously have done a very good job putting their name out there as this thing that you just, a platform that you know that you can use or that you can use either as a, a salesperson or as a shopper to move your handmade items. And also it's free, you know, you don't have to pay upfront for, uh, you know, in the way that you would with having a website. So before I even had a website, I had an Etsy shop. So that's kind of always been a constant. And only recently did I start to kind of second guess whether Etsy, it would be the best platform for uh, my work. Mm-hmm. And I actually did try I have a Squarespace website now, um, and I actually did try using Squarespace for commerce for like a month or two uh, late last year, and I actually didn't like it as much and moved back to Etsy. The platform is just, you know, yeah, you have to pay for, you know, your uh, percentage of your final sale and it's 20 cents to list or whatever, but I feel like they give you that, that opportunity to be seen. And I guess that's kind of what you're paying for too. But the simplicity of it, I think I'm just used to it. So I've tried other yeah. platforms um, and I do have my own, just my own shop, but I don't find that it has the same um, traction as Etsy or even Amazon Handmade. Are you ready to start your online website but not sure who should host it? Let me tell you who I recommend to absolutely everyone. I love SiteGround. As someone who is not very techy and has many questions, I've come to appreciate their award-winning support team. They are top-notch and available 24-7. They've answered every question that I've had within minutes. Getting your site up and running will be a breeze. Click my link in the show notes and start your online journey today. Now back to the show. Right. Well, there's a few things that I, I came to appreciate more about Etsy after trying something else was how streamlined it is. Um, what I, I mean, I don't know about you know Shopify or any of the other platforms, but 
you know, I use Squarespace, like I said, and that is, it's a website. It's not really a shopping platform. So I felt like when I was using Squarespace, I had to interact with like three or four different platforms. I didn't like it. For instance, you're listing your stuff on Squarespace, but in order for them to process your credit cards, you're using um, an app called Stripe. And then in order for you to process your um, shipments, you're using ShipStation. And then that requires a stamps.com account. And Etsy is just so streamlined. And I was just used to that. That was a major factor in me switching back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they do uh, do a good job um, just kind of like sharing you with other, uh, with other Etsy shoppers. Like you can... Right pop up in, you know, as a suggested listing when they're looking for, you know, some, and you can be looking in some, somebody else's shop for ceramic mugs, but still like my mug might pop up as a suggested listing. Um, I love that right. you have such a positive outlook on that. Cause I've always looked at it in the reverse that if people are looking at my listing, they might have suggested listings down below that aren't mine, but I love that you're actually looking at it the other way as, you know, you're probably popping up in somebody else's um, search. So I think that's a really great way to look at it. Sure. And I think Etsy has become a lot more challenging because it's um, so crowded now. And to be honest, the thing that prompted me to uh, switch platforms for sales for those couple of months was the fact that I was seeing that most of my sales, like the vast majority of my sales were actually just coming from me posting on my social media and sending people directly to my Etsy shop. And I was a little bit disappointed that more of my sales weren't coming through Etsy, like people searching for terracotta planter and finding my shop and and buying actually like almost no none of my sales come from Etsy. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my sales come from me sending my customers, my audience to my shop. That can happen here and there. It happens a little bit, but it happens way less than I thought it did. Especially because Etsy has. Um, I thought they'd been like so specifically supportive of me and my business. They, you know, put me in a blog, uh, a day in the life posting. And I saw that. I read it. Right. So I'm, you know, thinking that a lot more of my sales are coming from like the random Etsy browser, Etsy shopper. I was a little bit shocked to find out that that stuff doesn't really generate a lot of sales or at least not in a way that my analytics can or my statistics can reveal to me. That was a little surprising to me. And that's basically what prompted my change. I was like, well, if I'm sending all of my own business, virtually all of my own business to my Etsy shop, why not maybe skip out on some of those fees and use my own personal platform? But I just didn't like it as much. I felt really isolated. I didn't like the lack of reviews. I felt like mm-hmm. being a lone seller with my personal website with like nobody to vouch for the fact that they bought something for me and thought it was amazing. It was like, you know, the quality that they were expecting or exceeded their expectations. Like all those comments would make me feel more comfortable buying from someone. And I didn't know how to implement that uh, review system. I think there is a way to maybe kind of like, again, link to like Facebook or another platform to create like a, re- a public review system. But it's, it felt really clunky. And I didn't like the idea of leaving my old reviews behind. There were just all these like little reasons 
that right. Etsy seemed to be like a better choice. Right. No, I understand that. That makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I've been happy there. I mean, sure, it'd be great if there was no fees, but that's just not reality. (laughs) I think that they do a great job with, um, you know, getting people to Etsy. And I feel like now it's just become such a common thing to say, like, oh, I bought it on Etsy and everybody seems to know what that is. So can you tell me also um, who or what has influenced you the most on this journey? There hasn't been any one thing. It's been a ton of small influences. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot, well, specifically with pottery. Like I said, Rachel DePaw, the first woman, the first potter that I worked for in New Orleans, definitely made me believe that it's if I wanted to make a living making pottery, I could. Um, I then took a workshop at Aeromont uh, Craft School in Tennessee with another ceramicist and professor named Jen Allen, and she's such a huge inspiration to to me. I mean, I don't like there's elements of her work just because you know she's basically the only um, potter that I've been able to witness working for like a week solid. You know, it's a week long workshop, and I feel like that's the um, the most like in depth I've been able to get. You know, with any one ceramicist process in terms of you know just kind of seeing exactly how they work and. I mean, she's a big influence for me. My friend Melissa Weiss in Asheville, Tennessee, she's a really popular potter and a hard worker. And I'm always um, inspired by, you know, just how much work, (laughs) you know, it takes to produce uh, these pieces that we're making and, you know, her aesthetic. and, And then, you know, my mom is like such a big influence on my life just because she's such a thorough and hardworking person. And she's always been a big supporter of uh, handmade work and crafts. I grew up in a house that was um, filled with crafts. You know, her home is filled with baskets and masks, all this different artwork that I think was subconsciously inspiring to me and helped me generate my um, love and appreciation for handmade work. Oh, for sure. If you're seeing handmade items all over your house, it's almost like um, you already received an acceptance if you wanted to take that route. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I didn't put it together till you know, much, much later, of course. I'm sure that was an influence growing up. And what do you think has been the biggest struggle that you've had to overcome? Well, I don't know if I've overcome it. I think making ceramics for a living is an impractical idea. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I hear other uh, ceramicists talk about this all of the time. And honestly, um, a lot of people who make ceramics full time also teach because e- either because they love teaching and sharing their uh, skills with other people, as I do, but also because you get paid for your time with ceramics. It's like there's so much failure and there's so much um you know, like you can just work on things for hours that just don't work out in the end and that you can't sell or you can't sell for a full price. That's just the biggest challenge, I think, with ceramics. But I don't think it's something to overcome. I think it's something to just live with. I've spoken to and follow a lot of ceramicists online. And no matter how far into your career you are, that's just a reality. I mean, maybe it gets better, you know, as you go on. But it doesn't, it actually kind of doesn't seem like it. It just seems like it's part of it. Like you can try to do everything right and still something will come out with a crack in it, or there'll be some glaze flaws or 
whatever. And to me, that's the number one biggest challenge of uh, working with clay. And I don't think it's something to overcome. I think it's something to just learn to live with if that's what you want to, if that's what you want to do. Can you tell me what the best part of running your own business is? Freedom and autonomy, (laughs) right? Just, um, I'm a really self-motivated person. Before this, I was an art teacher and I loved the freedom of getting to design my own curriculum for kids. I thrive in environments where I don't have someone breathing down my neck all the time, where it's like I'm in a room with 15 to 25 kids and I can share with them whatever it is that I want to. And sure, you know, I'll have, you know, the director come through and like check on me, but I really just like working in environments where I have creative control and I'm kind of my own boss. That's where I thrive the most. So, and that's kind of always been part of my personality. I don't really need someone making sure I'm getting work done. Like I can get work done. So, and I kind of really thrive in situations where it's more about getting the task done than completing a certain number of hours. I don't really even uh, keep track of how many hours I work. It's more just like I have these deadlines to meet, you know, rather than watching the clock and waiting for 5 p.m. to come along. I would much rather be like, well, I had to work till 8 p.m., but I got it done. Like I I completed the task that I needed to complete in order to meet this deadlines. Um, I also just like every day being different and again, being like task oriented. I think those are just the things that I like about being a business owner. You know, if you really wanted to, you could create at any time of the day for that matter. And I love that part of it. I also love that you know, when you're selling online, you don't have to always be out and about and promoting your stuff. It kind of takes care of itself. And to me, there's nothing more exciting than waking up and having orders. <laughs> I think, yes, while I was sleeping, I was making orders. So I love that. Definitely. And what advice do you have for others wanting to start a handmade business? Well, don't put the cart before the horse. I think people tend to I think people tend to start thinking about the business aspect before they are actually being prolific. And I think it needs to work in reverse. I, you know, sometimes I talk to people and they're like, you know, I just really want to start selling my work, but they're not actually like making a lot of work. I think that you need to start just making, (laughs) like you already need to be in that, that mode of kind of being a prolific maker and having excess. I mean, before I was selling pottery, I was giving a lot of work away. And, you know, when I go to New Orleans, I live an hour away from New Orleans now. But, you know, when I started, I was in New Orleans, and I was giving a ton of work to my friends. And every now and then, I'll go back and visit a friend of mine and like see my pottery like all over their house. I like can't remember making those pieces. I am floored that they have like 10 of my things in their house. You know what I mean? Like, I think I was already making a ton of pottery. I know that I was. So I think that's kind of where you need to be is in a making frenzy. Because if you're making handmade work for a living, like you kind of have to be, I wouldn't say tireless about making, but it's got to be your favorite thing. And it's got to be something that you'd be doing whether or not you were getting paid for it. That's kind of how I felt about 
about pottery is, you know, I might as well sell it because I feel so driven to make it. That's great advice. If you're already in the mode of creating and you're enjoying the process, it makes perfect sense to take the next step and start selling. Well, thank you, Osa, so much for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it, my friend. Another handmade CEO creating beautiful artwork to share with the world through her pottery and classes. I love Osa's perspective on diving into something that she was passionate about. A lot of times we worry that a field is saturated, that somebody's already doing it. But it is precisely that idea that fueled Osa's desire to pursue her craft. She used the fact that others were already doing it to support the theory that it was a viable business. Each person has their own take on how they create due to the fact that we are so uniquely different when it comes to our collective memories, our tastes, and our environment. Being a huge Apple fan, I sure am glad that Steve Jobs didn't decide that there was already a phone on the market, so he best not create another. There's plenty of room to take a seat at the wheel and shape art in the same way that life has uniquely shaped us. Thank you so much for listening to the Handmade CEO podcast. Don't forget to check the show notes to get a glimpse of today's featured guest and special offers. If you love the show, leave a review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. Now it's your turn to start handcrafting your dream job.